faithwire.com. An assistant professor is under fire for trying to normalize pedophilia. Disturbing story. We'll have that and more coming up. It's Friday, November 12, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. This is the 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them all from a Christian perspective. That's what we do here. You can find us on iTunes. We're over there. We're here every Monday through Friday. We'd love to have you with us. Joining me, as always, Trey Gons-Phillips and Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire.com. What's going on, fellas? We're doing well. Well, I can't speak for you, Trey, but I'm doing well. <laughs> no, I'm good. You know, it's Friday. So yeah, uh, we made it. Uh, we're, we're going into the weekend. Um, so we're going to be talking about Matthew West. He just spoke with us this week, uh, and he's he's finally breaking his silence about uh, the outcry over his song Modest is Hottest over the summer. I know like June seems like it was a millennia ago, but yeah. it wasn't that long ago. Uh, and he got a lot of backlash, and he hasn't said a whole lot about it. So we're going to have some of his comments to us uh, on what it feels like to be part of cancel culture now. Mm. And then we've got a story, and it's really, it's so fascinating to me. It's Representative Mike Johnston, and he's in this congressional hearing, and there's a video where he is speaking to an OBGYN and a pro-choice activist and trying to get simple answers from them about lives of the unborn. And so we're going to talk about the responses he got and what it might reveal about the arguments that these people actually have. All right, looking looking forward to those. And uh, glad to hear Matthew West uh, that that he that he did speak out when he talked to you, Trey, because uh, that that yeah. was ridiculous. That whole thing. We'll we'll dive into that. Totally. But it was so frustrating at the time. Um, all right, so let's let's start here. Story number one. Uh, three things you need to know, starting with the details on this ODU, Old Dominion University assistant professor. And uh, man, this is just some really disturbing stuff. There's an account on Twitter called Libs of TikTok. And if you haven't experienced it, it's, um, well, I'd say it's enter worth a risk. follow, but yeah, enter at your own risk because it, it's simultaneously incredibly depressing and disturbing, but also it's kind of, uh, you know, you need, it's one of those, you need to know what's going on here in society. Cause it feels like this is, this is the kind of direction you're going. Basically they feature a lot of clips of people that, um, are, talking about gender identities and all of these uh, different things that are emerging now and, you know, different types of uh, identities, attractions, you name it. Um, and it's on there on that site. And so they posted one yesterday that's even beyond the pale for the things that you normally see on libs of TikTok. And this is how it's titled. A non-binary assistant professor at Old Dominion University is trying to normalize the term MAP. So what is that? Well, take a listen uh, to this uh, professor here who is named Alan Walker, who is author of a book called A Long Dark Shadow. Here it is, uh, a minute clip. Brace yourself. Thanks so much for that question. Um, I use the term minor attracted person or MAP uh, in the title and throughout the book for multiple reasons. Um, first of all, because I think it's important to use terminology for groups that members of that group want others to use for them. Um, and MAP advocacy groups like Before You Act um, have advocated for use of the term MAP. Um, they've advocated for it primarily because it's less stigmatizing than other terms like pedophile. 
Uh, a lot of people, when they hear the term pedophile, they automatically assume that it means a sex offender. Uh, and that isn't true, and it leads to a lot of misconceptions about attractions toward minors. Um, I've definitely heard the idea that you brought up, though, that the use of the term minor attracted person suggests that it's okay to be attracted to children. Uh, but using a term that communicates who someone is attracted to it doesn't indicate anything about the morality of that attraction. So there's the clip there. And um, I mean, wow, there's there's a lot to break down there. Um, starting with the fact about the misconceptions about minor attraction. I don't think anyone wants to hear about the misconceptions about the attractions to minors. That we don't need to hear the spin on that, the positive spin on your attraction to children. Uh, wrong, 100% of the time, period, end of stop, don't want to hear the misconceptions. But basically what he's arguing here is that they need to stop using the term ped pedophile and use the term MAP or minor attracted persons instead because it's, quote, less stigmatizing, uh, as Alan Walker said there in the sound clip uh, brought to us by Libs of TikTok. And um, it's just so disturbing because this is sort of number two on this one here, guys. This is the sort of thing that people, particularly Christians, have warned about that would happen with a slippery slope on this type of stuff because... Logically speaking, there is no off-ramp. There's no way you can deny some of these things. I remember when Rick Santorum was questioned one time at a speech he was giving at a college, and they were questioning him on gay marriage, and he asked the person, well, why is why is uh, incest wrong? And, well, it's just wrong. And he said, well, why would it be wrong? And he walked him into a corner, and basically there's no... Once you say love is love and just anybody can love anybody... Well, now you're just putting arbitrary barriers up. So then you have somebody here who says, well, this is the way I am. I'm a map. I'm just, this is the way I was created and I was designed. There's no changing it. Once you go down that road, how can you tell this person that their attraction is wrong and then say mm -hmm. everything else is fine? So people have been warning about this, noting this logical, you know, inevitable, you know, outcome here, inevitable end game when you have that kind of logic for your sexual relationships, anything goes, you really have a hard time being consistent and then stopping one and allowing the other. So, uh, so, so that's what's at stake here. And this is something people have warned about that. It's going to keep getting worse. Oh no, no, you guys stop it. You're being crazy. And we'll see where this goes, but hopefully people condemn this, um, because it is of course a perversion. And, and like as Christians, we all know guys, Number three, why does it matter? Because, I mean, obviously, the biblical definition of sex and relationships and marriage has just been completely perverted and distorted. And the LGBT stuff has been completely accepted. And you even have a lot of Christians that are trying to argue for it and saying it's completely fine. And that that is just, uh, you know, no different than any other sexual sin. And th this is as well. But but. Um, we'll see if there's mass outrage about it or if we start to go down a road where people start scratching their heads and say, oh, yeah, well, let's think about it. Mm. What, what's your guys' reaction here? You know, you know, here's the thing. I The first thing I always say in these situations, I want to hear or see the whole entire thing, right, that, that was said. But in this case, we hear quite a bit there that is incredibly <laughs> yeah. disturbing. Right. And it's like, I don't know if I want to hear more right. after that. I right, mean, it right, makes right. me very scared. 
Now, <laughs> the, the thing that really stands out to me outside of the things that you've said, yeah, there's this move to don't stigmatize people, don't make people feel bad about a sin, right? Yeah. Um, that to me is incredibly disturbing and seems really counter gospel. When you read the Bible, we're instructed throughout scripture. Um, there are very specific sins that are called out throughout scripture and that we need to turn from those things. Jesus himself says, go and sin no more. I mean, this is something that comes right out of his mouth. So this idea that we just need to conceal things and pretend they're not happening and change the words. We do this with the unborn, right? Yeah. Oh, it's just a fetus. It's a, it's a choice. Is, it's a choice. This, exactly. This has become, it, it's, it's healthcare. You know, this oh, has right. become really one of the most bizarre things. We, we see it with the doctor assisted suicide movement, death with dignity, you know, these terms yeah. that many people on the left in the, in the secular world have become obsessed with twisting and turning words to change meaning words matter. And sometimes you need to be stigmatized. I'm sorry. Sometimes yeah. there are yeah. things you're doing right. that need to be right. called out like attraction to kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's call that. Out. I think the, I think the world could agree on that one. I would hope they could, but, Trey, yeah. uh, you had more on this, uh, the the background here that he mentioned a group in there, the Before You Act group. What's going on there? Yeah. So first, I definitely want to piggyback on what Billy said. There are certain things that certainly should be stigmatized. Uh, you know, we have in Christian culture, obviously, we talk about uh, feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And there are people more progressive within the Christian movement who want to label uh, conviction as, oh, that's stigmatizing. It's like, well, no, there's a reason that you're feeling the way that you're feeling. And that's not stigma from a culture. That's not someone trying to shame you for how you're feeling as being okay. Uh, that someone, or that's the Holy Spirit conviction you for something that you know is sinful uh, and you're you're pushing back against that because of your human nature which we all have by the way uh, but we shouldn't run from that as believers we should maybe pay a bit more attention to that uh, particularly when it comes to something as just insidious as this so here yeah. this is the the piece that I wanted to add uh, uh, Dan that you were mentioning so uh, the, this professor, uh, he did a lot of his research uh, at, uh, through a group called Before You Act, uh, which was founded by a convicted multi-child rapist. His name was Michael Melsh uh, Melsheimer, uh, and it was created to normalize uh, and to remove the stigma uh, around people who, who are are pedophiles. Uh, and it's it's kind of to, to distract from a lot of these uh, prevention efforts and, and to, to, to cast them in a bad light. Uh, so even uh, this is according to a news outlet, uh, several years ago, Melsheimer said that he wanted to ensure the group before you act was never associated, quote, with the prevention of offending minors. So it's not like this uh, this professor was getting his information from what should be a legitimate source. I mean, he's speaking to, to this group uh, that clearly has some skin in the game, right? They've got a desire to see uh, this completely, this behavior, this insidious behavior completely yeah. normalized. And that's where he's getting all of his information. I mean, it, it, it's none of this seems above board to me. Gosh, it's, it's, it's incredibly disturbing. Yeah. And um, I mean, I hope we would get some universal condemnation out of this, but uh, well, but, you're living in the upside down. So I know, knows. I know. That's true. And I'm really, look, I, I'd like to apologize to everyone for bringing this on a Friday. I mean, we should have some fun stuff here, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, I don't thanks, know. I mean, Dan. but I do think I'm always so conflicted on this because part of me wants to just ignore all this craziness. But at the same time, I feel like you need to know. Um, and you know, because you have to know what, where culture is going 
and and yeah. the and the th and the sorts of things that they are trying to push as normal because our kids are going to have to they're going to have to deal with the ramifications of this stuff if it's not a uh, sort of you know put down now so yeah and when so many people on the left kind of attack the slippery slope thing, but the issue is the slippery slope is a result of relativism. And when you're yeah. told that all of your feelings, by virtue of them being feelings, that makes them okay, <laughs> right. then it becomes confusing for kids like, well, I'm feeling this. How do I, is, isn't that okay because I'm feeling it? So we do need to talk about these issues yeah. to say, no, just because you're feeling it doesn't mean it's okay. Um, so, all right, we'll move on to story number two. Matthew West is speaking out uh, finally after the outcry over the summer for his song, uh, Modest is Hottest, which was just a parody jokey song, and it got a whole lot of attention, negative attention that it that it didn't deserve. So here's what he told us uh, today uh, on Faithwire. He said, sometimes you step in things and you're not trying to be divisive, but all of a sudden people have decided for you what you meant and what your intention was. So here for people who might not remember, uh, we'll start number one with the details. Uh, so Matthew West, obviously a Christian recording artist, uh, he faced a whole lot of scorn on social media for the lighthearted song, Modest is Hottest. Some said it was disturbing. Uh, others said it was demeaning and propping up the patriarchy and uh, uh, just a full of uh, sexist tropes or some of the ridiculous attacks uh, against him. Uh, but he said at the time, uh, that he wanted to write this song uh, to to say, you know, my daughter's, he has two kids. He said, I wanted to tell my daughters, your value is not in how you look. Your value is not in your image or your appearance. Uh, your value is in Christ. He had jokey lines in the song, like little more Amish, a little less Kardashian. Uh, he said, modest is hottest, the latest fashion trend. Uh, he said, if I catch you da doing dances on TikTok in a crop top, so help me God, you'll be grounded <laughs> till the world stops. <laughs> so just like a really, really, really fun song, but uh, alas, he got a lot of attacks for it. And this is what he just told us at Faithwire. I didn't realize the word modest. I should have realized this, but sometimes you step in things. You're not even trying to be divisive, but all of a sudden people have decided for you what mm -hmm. you meant and what your intention was. And, uh, and that turned into a real storm for me where it was like people were getting very ugly. And then I was like, felt pressure to pull the video down. And then Christians came after me saying, well, you're just a coward. And it wasn't even intended to be a political statement. It wasn't anything. It was just when they started to turn it into something it wasn't, I, w I had to step in as a dad and try to protect my daughters. And so I think, you know what I've learned? I, the only reason I bring that story up is because these days I'm just realizing like, man, I really like you and I like talking to you, but you're not my audience. And anybody listening to this, I really like them. And I hope what I share with them encourages them. But now more than ever, I realize I have an audience of exactly one. Yeah, so I mean, really good comments there from him uh, in response to the backlash. Uh, he We talked for about 30 minutes. The whole interview is up on our YouTube channel at, at CBN News. Uh, number two here, he also talked about the need to infuse grace into our culture, uh, particularly amid all this cancellation stuff. He said there is no grace. We are our secular society. The secular world teaches us to look at the other person and 
begin with the assumption that they have negative intentions, that their motivations are all nefarious. And he said, as believers, man, that can't be how we think. That can't be the assumptions that we make. Yes, hold people accountable, but give them the benefit of the doubt when you don't know the full story, you don't know the situation. Uh, he said, don't, uh, don't uh, ascribe intentions and motives to other people. Uh, and he said that, you know, as somebody who's now experienced it, he said, I didn't get out of cancel culture unscathed. I can tell you what it's taught me. And some of that was, was what he was referring to. And then, like I said, we talked a whole lot about grace and he's got a new Christmas album out. Uh, she talked about that too. Uh, so number three here, look, I just think it's important for particularly believers y'all to be to be speaking up in love in response to these attempts at cancellation uh, because it is a culture that is just completely empty of any grace. And as believers, obviously, we need to to infuse that gospel grace uh, into situations. Uh, and it's great to hear him standing his ground, but also doing it lovingly. Uh, and, and it's a good model, I think, moving forward, because a lot of times we don't see, we see one or the other, like people are just kowtowing and they're they're giving in to the cancel culture, or they're speaking out in a, in a way that's not filled with love and grace. Uh, so it's cool to see Matthew uh, trying to walk that fine line of doing both. So what do y'all think? Yeah, you know, I, when, when I look at the story, it was so crazy when it happened. Um, and, and I look at culture, I think that his reaction really, nobody's perfect, right? I think he had a great sure. reaction to it. I think he did everything he could do to try to manage it and then step away from it and come back at an appropriate time to talk about it. That's a brave thing because many people would let this die and would never speak about it again. They would say, I'm not answering questions on that. I don't want to talk about it. It was a pretty uh, traumatic thing for his family and for him. And so, you know, obviously involving his kids, I think uh, this is a blueprint in a lot of ways for other people, because whether Christians like it or not, this is going, especially Christians in the public eye, this is going to be the new norm. These things are going to happen more and more. This is a culture that hates the idea of purity, right? Um, and, and obviously that's a complicated topic and there are people who feel they've been hurt and there are so many different elements to it. But what that song was talking about was a common experience. First of all, it was a joke. But second of all, it's a joke because it's built on a common experience that many fathers have and many parents have with their daughters and just encouraging your kids to know that your heart is what matters. So I, I commend him for speaking about it and for standing up for what is right instead of, you know, bowing out and not speaking about it again. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, it was so ridiculous in the first part, and I feel bad that he had to go through the obnoxious cancel culture mob, but I'm glad uh, I'm glad he's landed where he's landed, and I'm looking forward to seeing everything that he that he uh, keeps coming up with. I'm glad he's glad he's still churning. So yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, that brings us to our last story, and this is really one of those stories that you have to watch the video a couple of times because <laughs> it's a hearing before the House Judiciary Committee that unfolded last Thursday. Representative Mike Johnson from Louisiana, he is questioning uh, two individuals. One is an OBGYN from Texas, and another individual as the co-executive director of Florida Access Network. This is a pro-choice organization, and so he's questioning them about abortion and it's it's fascinating when you watch people up against a wall who refuse to answer simple questions so here's an example of a question that he asked okay he said does abortion kill something that's alive take the life of something that's alive 
And the doctor responds, sir, the way that you're asking these questions actually intentionally invite violence and harassment to both of us, to all of us. And he wasn't bowing down, okay? This, this guy, this representative, Mike Johnson, he was not going to take no for an answer. He wanted them to answer the questions. Um, at another point, he asked, when you, when you dismember something in the womb, is that a human being or not? It's a living being, yes or no? Again, they won't respond to it. And, you know, the, the other question that really got me, he said, is it okay to murder a 10-year-old child? Okay, so this seems like a pretty simple <laughs> question to answer. He was still unable to get a yes or a no from them yes. on that question. And so he knew the minute that obviously he's trying to get them to answer so that he can work morally back to, okay, if that's not okay. But I, it was mind-boggling to watch that part of it. Now, after this hearing, uh, and, and this is sort of the second part of this, the story didn't end with the video. Mike Johnson got on Twitter and he said, quote, there's, there's a reason abortion advocates speak exclusively in euphemisms and avoid using plain English. Mm -hmm. They can't admit the simple truth that abortion takes a baby's life. Just watch for yourself. And then he had the video there. Um, and, and again, it's just, it's, it's crazy because he has another tweet and he so perfectly summarizes this. He said that when they were confronted with you know, simple and direct questions about whether abortion takes a human life, you'll never see Democrats give a straight answer. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here because he said the truth is devastating to their cause. And then he ended it with, and, th and this was bold, we will continue to expose them. This is how we will win the abortion debate. And that's why it matters because this discussion, just going back to what we were talking about before with words, words matter, the truth matters. If you're going to hold a position, be able to answer it and own it. And there are people on the pro-choice side who are willing to own that, no matter how horrific some might think that is. Um, but yet these people were not willing to answer the very basic questions that he was asking. I don't know what you guys think on that, but it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I think you're hundred percent spot on when you talk about admitting the truth and um, that that puts them in that corner because they changed the language similar to the early story that we talked about. They've just changed the language. They've not changed the reality, right? Calling someone a map does not make them any less of a pedophile. They're still a pedophile and uh, who is attracted to kids. So you can call them a map all you want, but, but the difference here is as opposed to map, Society at large has kind of bought into the choice thing and the, you know, the the clump of cells and whatever other arguments are out there. So it's uh they've settled into that. They feel very comfortable in those. So when somebody actually pushes back on them on basic questions like that, they don't know what to say because they're used to just being able to say, well, uh, my body, my choice. So. So there. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. And uh, that's usually that's usually enough for them, but uh, not anymore. So that's good. And my thought, too, is with all of these conversations, whether it's about maps or it's about abortion uh, or it's about literally any number of issues that, that maybe a parent is talking about with their, their little kids, these conversations about tough issues should be uncomfortable, right? Like they're, they're intended to be uncomfortable yeah. because the, the, the discomfort reminds us of the weight of these issues. So they're heavy issues. Uh, so we, should be, we shouldn't be running from the stigmatization of a lot of these issues. We shouldn't be running from the fact that they make us uncomfortable. We should use them as cues like, ah, maybe 
because this topic is making me uncomfortable, maybe this is a serious issue and we need to give it the weight that it deserves. Uh, and instead, we have this relativistic culture that says, well, you know, like I said earlier, if you're feeling it, it must be okay. And we just need to accept that and be okay with it. Uh, and it's like, no, not not really. A lot of these conversations are complex uh, and, and we need to, to feel the full weight of them and not run from the conviction, especially as Christians, that comes with these topics. Yeah, definitely. We got to we got to think past the bumper sticker theology there, uh, yes. especially when it comes to secular theology and all the views that are there, because they're, they're very challengeable. They're ripe for the taking. So, all right, that's all the time we have for this episode. As always, you can head on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. We will be back here on Monday with more. Until then, God bless. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you then.